We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We are services hello listeners uh just parth again trent uh just turned 23 yesterday uh january 5th uh so everybody if you're listening and uh have his number his instagram go wish that boy a happy birthday he needs it um but it's just a me thing today so why don't i tell you guys what i've been eating most recently and to answer that, I will tell you that I had some strawberry-flavored uh, milk um, in the morning and had some Christmas cookies that my neighbors, who we don't, for some reason, really know as well as we used to, or we don't meet them as much, but every year without fail, their family bakes cookies, uh, Christmas cookies, and they are really good. And so the past few days, my brother and I have been chowing down on them um, because my parents are sick uh, or my mom is just getting over her sickness. And now my dad is just starting to get sick and they did not have a taste for sweet things. Um, but yeah, that's what I had to eat most recently. Trent? Ah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I knew he's not there. Um, all right. Well, why don't I just cue the intro? Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies each week. We talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, we're talking with Wonka editor Mark Everson. That's right, folks. We're going Wonka mode um, this week and next week, because this is a two-part episode, or interview, rather. Um, yeah, Mark Everson, really very sweet guy. Um, it feels like every person that worked on this movie is like Paddington, because when I, uh, uh, for reference sake, um, uh, the director of Wonka is the same person that direct wrote and directed um, Paddington 1 and 2, and Mark Everson also worked on Paddington's 1 and 2. And let me just say, he was a really kind, sweet man, um, really generous with his time. We went about like 10 minutes over the time that we were supposed to. Um, but he, he did not mind, or at least he did not show that he minded. So, uh, and thank you so much to his publicist for, um, setting this all up. Uh, I think this is a great interview. Um, the first half of this is sort of about, um, getting involved in the film industry and talking a little bit about some Wonka specific stuff. And I don't really want to, I don't want to spoil anything because um, uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I watched Wonka and I enjoyed it, but I was a little like, I don't know how much I have to say on an editing. There's some really great work, but I don't know how much I have to say about Wonka as a film. Um, but Mark Everson sort of came in and hit the ground running with some really great responses and um, I think you guys are really going to like it. So without further ado, let's cue the interview.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Mark Everson. He's the editor behind such films as Alan Partridge, Paddington, Johnny English Strikes Again, and our film for today, Paul King's Wonka. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thanks for asking. So just to start off, um, could you just tell me what your relationship with film was at a young age? I guess I grew up, I guess it's those those sort of key experiences that you remember. I grew up being obsessed with Star Wars. Um, Classic. Watching, I mean, to be honest, I think when you grow up, it's just film and TV is all part of the same all part of the same thing. I remember what growing up watching lots of comedies, Monty Python, um, Blackadder, uh, The Young Ones, um, later on, sort of like Spaced, Father Ted. Because um, I, yeah, even at, like I didn't get into scripted uh, work until quite late. So all, all of that seemed like a, like a distant dream, really. Yeah, I never imagined I'd ever get into film because it just seemed like a different, different world completely. Right, um, and the films of like Terry Gilliam and the Pythons, The Holy Grail, Time Bandits, um, and of course all of your Spielberg and ET, and uh, yeah, so it, 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 they're they're the sort of things that spring to mind immediately. But I think it was film and television all all were part of the same bag of bones to me growing up. Sure, awesome. Um, and then sort of as you got older, can you sort of explain your trajectory into getting into the editorial department? So I think around the age of 13, well, uh, uh, when I was 13, my dad got a video camera. Um, and also I they got me a drum kit. So I got into music and I got into making some films with my friends. So I'd always make little films mainly of just people getting murdered. I think it was the era of awesome. the slasher movie. So it was just anything gory, my friends getting stabbed, you know, and finding uh, the best fake blood I could find. Um, and just, uh, yeah, basically my friends just killing each other. Um, so I used to make videos, and I think by the time... And also, it wasn't really accessible at the time. I think everybody has a has a, has a video camera in their pocket now. But, you know, having a video camera was a big deal and or, or everything was edited in camera as well. There was no real way to, you know, I didn't have access to edit suites. So you just, you know, shoot the shot you want, stop the camera, then move it, shoot the next shot and you'd construct it within the camera that wasn't always very precise. Um, but, yeah, that's what I do my summer holidays and evenings. And then, uh, which is a complete accident, really. I didn't know I wanted a video camera. My dad just got one. Um, and then I just didn't really want to stop making videos. So I did the same at college, which I also did. There were no sort of pure TV or video courses. I did. I went to Norwich and it was a, you had to do radio and print media and the other things. I quite liked radio. Um, again, editing, but you're actually slicing tape, you know, because they had kind of antiquated antiquated technology at the college because they got it all for free. I think people were probably doing digital stuff, but we had to do it on tape, which was great fun. Um, and then, yeah, I just didn't want to stop really. So I went to university and did the same thing and just kept making videos. And I used to like, by then, yeah, by college, we had access to edit suites. So I'd kind of live in the edit suites really. Um, and just, yeah, and then I got into, got my break, really. I mean, it was sort of pretty impenetrable at the time. It felt that way. I didn't know anybody in television or any friends of friends who were in television or film. Um, I think the industry has grown so much, especially in England, 
um, since the year 2000. Um, I never really expected to get a job in it, but um, I got a break in an edit facility and that they only really did uh, factual. So I started off as a, as a documentary editor. And sorry, this is a long story. No, um, I love then, it. And then in about 2006, somebody was ill and they just needed a warm body uh, and they didn't care about their CV. It was just, can you come in tomorrow? Um, and I did. I dropped, I, really, I just happened to be free and just, well, I was, I was doing other stuff, but I dropped everything and went in and I started to work on a scripted comedy. Um, and then, and it was for Phil Clark, who was a big comedy producer, had done some things that were, he worked on Brass Eye and Peep Show and uh, I can't think of the other things, but just lo- loads of comedies that I just, that just blew my mind. So I was just asking him loads of questions. Um, and then he kept getting me back. And then I worked on Peep Show, which has become quite a famous English TV show. And it was through him that I was introduced to Paul King and we did a ill-fated sketch show that nobody's heard of. And then the second thing Paul King asked me to do was the Mighty Boosh. And yeah, and, and then here we are today after Paddington 1 and 2 and, and Wonka. Yeah, so uh, obviously you your relationship with Paul King goes is like far-reaching. Um can you sort of talk about meeting him for the first time? Because obviously with the Paddington films, he's become very um, popular, I think. And um, if you could talk about your relationship with him and how that's sort of evolved over the years. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think I'd been chosen to work on on this comedy. Uh, like, I don't think it was a job interview. I think it was just come and meet the director who you'll be working with. And he just had loads, I remember it, he was just very enthusiastic, had loads and loads of ideas. And to be honest, most of the ideas were way beyond the budget or the practicality of the show. Because <laughs> I remember I remember him saying, I've got an idea for this, and so you travel through time, and we'll do time lapse and this. And I remember thinking, wow, this is amazing, but how are we going to do that on a sketch show budget? And obviously, I don't think... Uh, some of those things could be realised. But yeah, even though I, th- I guess my first instance, uh, my, my first thought was this guy has just got loads and loads of ideas and he's brimming with positivity and imagination. Um, and yeah, so that, that was that was the very first meeting. Awesome. And can you talk about getting involved with Wonka and uh, when you started working on it? Yes. So I think Wonka... Well, I think it started off as Young Wonka, I think. Um, So the idea, yeah, Paul had mentioned Young Wonka, I think sometimes towards the end of Paddington 2. And it was an idea that, uh, I mean, Paul Paul will know best, but um, yeah, I think he was approached by David Heyman. Mm. um, And he was asked to think about the concept. and he ended up writing, I think he came up with an idea for the film that he really liked. And he ended up writing a script for it that we all thought, thought was terrific. Um, so it sort of, it was brewing in the background. Um, and then suddenly, I think, I think he very quickly wrote a, a script that everyone was very enthusiastic about. And it suddenly emerged that Wonka was going to happen. Um, so yeah, that was it really. Awesome. So to sort of get into stuff that happens in Wonka. Um, hmm. 
there's a lot of you were sort of talking about how he has a big imag- imagination and especially when you first met him you were like I don't know how we're gonna do this um, when work there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's uh, involves a lot of computer generated imagery and like I'm assuming like sets that don't exist as we end up seeing them in the finished film um, does how does that impact your process as an editor or are you sort of well-versed in that stuff by now and it's not really that big of a difference well no i mean in a way it's less paddington one and two are more of a visual effects feast in a way like that the, the visual effects really do dominate and in a way the visual effects in wonka it's a kind of it, it was a lot of visual effects in wonka and it sort of crept up on us and it was a, a bit of a stealth a lot of stealth visual effects because the the sets they built this incredible uh, Nathan Crowley built built this incredible town square and it, I mean they basically built a European town square like it was huge and and geographically it was what you see you've got this huge town square two of the streets don't really go anywhere um, but one of them goes into the Gallery Gourmet and the Gallery Gourmet um, is how you see it in the film, apart from some of the exits aren't real and that the enormous roof doesn't exist. Um, we've, of course, we have an Oompa Loompa, um, and that's sort of the same technology as, as Paddington Bear in the sense that they didn't, you know, Hugh Grant wasn't dressed up as an Oompa Loompa at any point. Um, and he wasn't, it's not motion capture. He didn't have ping pong balls or, you know, it wasn't just capture his performance and, and translate it into the Oompa Loompa. It's kind of like a digital maquette. Yeah, because I was I was wondering while I was watching it, because the effect looks very good, but it's also uncanny because it's so, like, I, I'm so used to seeing it in other versions, like, different ways where you create, like, a digital double or it's yeah. like motion capture, and I really couldn't figure out what process you guys had done to Yeah, it's create. quite... Like, there, there aren't that many scenes, relatively. I mean, we're used to Paddington, where absolutely every scene w- was with the bear, and, unless he's being kidnapped, um, which generally seems to happen. Um, and, yeah, so it, it seemed like there wasn't that many Oompa Loompa scenes. And they're quite intensive, because you have to get... Um, you have to get the reference performance, and then, inevitably, you end up... Uh, with half of one line and half of another, um, which is what you you can do. Sometimes you you might take the delivery of a line and say, well, I really prefer the facial expressions of another take and ask the animators to try and do that. So it's quite quite complicated. And also it takes a lot of re-editing because when when the actual performance starts to come in, you sort of, well, you cut the radio play first uh, with a little digital reference in the corner of the real hue, then they slowly develop the animation, and that just sort of changes the rhythm of the scene a bit, so you end up having to recut it. And when you've got an entire movie of an animated character, that can be quite challenging. So it wasn't too hard, because we've, we've, he isn't in it all the way through. So that can be a bit of a challenge, but it was quite contained. But a, a lot the, the, the town square... Sorry, I didn't really finish off my main point, which was the town square was built two stories high. So there was like one story where they could even get extras in and there was a restaurant with real people in a story up, but everything else is extended. 
uh, and you really, really can't tell. I can't tell um, where the extension starts. Like it's absolutely seamless. So yeah, that I mean, having loads and loads of visual effects in a film it ends up a bit tail wagging the dog because there's a there's a what they call a turnover schedule, which is we have to turn over the cuts as close as they can be with the takes that we're sure are the takes for them to start building the visual effects into. And they're incredibly expensive. So you can't really say, oh, no, it wasn't those. Here's another load of visual effects. You know, here's another load of takes that we want to use instead. So you have to be very sure. So you get to a point where you're still sort of wrestling with various perceived problems in the movie or you're trying to, you know, there's loads of other things you want. But the visual effects turnover schedule will dictate that, no, you've got to do this scene here and give that to visual effects so they can start putting it in. And, you, and, that, and it can not always be the scene you would really prefer to edit. Um, so, yes, and there were, there, I mean, there's some very, very big, big set pieces, which is the dancing with the balloons on the top of the Gallery Gourmet. And that still absolutely blows my mind. I mean, it's just, it's just noodle and Charlie on green screen uh, and wires. And like, if you ever want to cut to a big, and the other, the flexibility you have, that is, if you ever want to cut to a big wide, you just shrink them down right. and yeah. the install will build the world around them. So all of the sizes that we were shot are basically the same. Because as long as you've got them head to toe, you, you dictate the size in the edit, you know. Um, so, yeah. and visual effects, you end up having to go to frame store or wherever you're doing them and you give notes and you slowly develop them. And like, it isn't just, hey, we've cut this scene. There's a load of blue. That'll be perfect. Give it to visual effects. They fill it in, you know, Bob's your uncle, it's done. Inevitably, as it comes to light and the reality, you end up wanting to change things and you can see flaws in it and you need to manipulate it and you say, oh, we don't need as much of that shot or... You know, so it, it's, yeah, visual effects, apart from just filling in background plates, uh, yeah, it can, it can take up a lot of your time, really. Um, and so you just touched on my next question, which is this movie is very much a musical. Um, and can you talk about um, the challenges uh, that that brings to you as an editor? Because I'm sure it's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, songs aside, you know, songs are great to cut to, and I love cutting to music. And when I was, um, when I used to be a factual editor, you would montage a lot to music. You know, that that's that's just you'd get little music sequences and stings and what have you. And and that's one of the things I really missed when I started doing more uh, scripted work. So yeah, I love cutting to music. Um, so you know, getting those musical sequences right are a challenge in a sense, but what's the bigger challenge really is how that affects the overall shape of the film and the arc of the film. Um, just pacing really. And, you know, we've all watched a musical and they started singing and gone, Oh no, not another song. Or do you know what I mean? You know, I've, I've just started to get into this and, uh, there's, you know, there's nothing worse than a, a badly mistimed song in a musical. Um, and also you don't want songs to feel like a needle drop. You'd like to integrate in, you know, I mean, a mu the, 
a musical is a is a quite a heightened genre in itself, you know, and you you want to sort of ease into the songs as organically as you can. Um, but I think mainly it, it was really the overall the way the songs affected the overall pace of the film. Like some of the songs, we would lose a verse and a chorus. Some of the songs are slightly shorter than written. Um, Sorry Noodle, which is the song where, like, is considerably shorter. I think we cut that down to a minute. And, you know, we tried lots of songs we tried completely out, back in again, a bit shorter, half the length. Um, Like, I think Sweet Tooth, there was an argument, do we really need the baddies to have a song? You know they're they're the baddies, they're going to continue to be the baddies. Do they need a song? That was a point for a time. Then we cut the song in half. And and to be honest, I think Sweet Tooth didn't really work as well in half. And we, we put it all back again. Um, Sorry Noodle just felt like there was a lot of sad down beats at that time in the movie. And maybe you don't want a three-minute song emphasising that point, even though... You know, and the level we work at is, you know, it's all shot by the, you know, best DOPs in the world, the best everybody, um, and it's the best actors. You know, we're not cutting things because they're rubbish or they just don't work or, you know, it, everything. And that's Embarrassment what's quite of riches. Yeah, yeah, that's quite, what's quite tough about making these decisions. You've just got to do it because in because you just feel it's it's what the movie requires, you know, it's what it requires pace wise. Cause actually if you did it on the quality of everything, you just keep everything in and make the film three hours long. Um, and we, I think Paul, Paul and myself really, really agonize over the pace of the movie and the kind of the, the fluidity. We don't, I mean, we don't want it to be any longer than it has to be. Um, and I think one of the feelings, I mean, one, we've all had that feeling in the cinema where, you know, for an hour you've been completely captivated and, you know, you don't even feel like you're in your own body or you're in the cinema. You're just in the movie. And then, you know, where you just come around or you just bumped out of the movie and you just start to think, oh, it's a little bit long here. And you just, and you know, and you think, oh, wait a minute, where's my coat? And I wonder how long there is to the end. You know, we're really conscious that what we want to do is grab people and keep them in that movie right till the end. Because I think that's part of what you go to the cinema for is to be released from everything, your your daily thoughts um, for two hours uh, or an hour and a half or sometimes two hours, 40 minutes with some films. Um, and we were quite keen that, that Wonka shouldn't be over two hours long. And I know it sounds really arbitrary to just come up with a length, but that was our aim. We just thought, I just think that's, you know, under two hours sounds sounds like the right length for this movie. Um, so we were, you know, we're quite hard on interrogating everything in it. And I think, yeah, that's one of the things that modulated quite a bit. And also we cut, what songs did we cut? Yeah, we did cut a song. We cut a couple of songs and we changed the location of one of the songs to the end of the movie. There was a different song right at the end of the movie that was very bittersweet. Um, and it just felt like we didn't want a sort of, you know, it was like happy, sad, very happy, sad. It was like, you're leaving, but I'm happy you're leaving, but I'm sad you're leaving. Um, 
And we just felt, hey, I don't think we want to feel that at the end of the movie. We want to feel sort of punch the sky excitement. Um, so we, we changed the, the finale song and, and, and removed it from earlier on. Yeah, I was just going to ask, was the movie feels, I mean, pacing-wise very tight, but also just like script-wise um, very uh, mannered or ordered in the way it's going. And I was going to ask if there was any restructuring, like major restructuring that happened in the movie editing-wise, um, just for, from a viewer's perspective. Like, it's difficult for me to even, like, tell how you would have, but it seems like there was yeah, the, the secret with editing is to make the final product look like that's what it was always meant to be. Inevitable, yeah. And But the thing is, you do watch some movies and think, no, I don't think it was designed like that. I think something's happened in the edit or, you know, so that's always, you just want it to look like it, it, everything's intentional. No, there was a, a lot. Um, I mean, because Paul's the writer and the director, um, the edit suite turns into an extension of the writing room um, possibly in a way it, more more than anyone else I work with. Um, there were, I mean, the, the film used to open up with a flashback. Uh, so it, it opened with uh, young Willie and um, his mum on the boat, and then we went then we went into the the start, what is now the start of the film. So there was sort of a young a young what was it? there was a prologue, a, a sort of young Willie prologue. Um, there was a different song when when Timmy um, and Kayla are in the bedroom, and he he has a is has a kind of a flashback. That used to be a whole song with more background, and uh, it was. I mean, I think the feeling was the film. It, it was the tone of starting with a flashback that was quite serious. Um, it took the audience a little longer to laugh at the jokes. Like it was, a, it set the tone, didn't quite set the right tone, even though it was very sort of nutritious with backstory and it did a lot for us. Um, it was a little bit slow and maybe not as magical. And of course, you didn't just start the movie with with Timmy. Um, and it was, you know, we it was definitely a, a good choice to not have it there because it's a stronger start. But we had, then that gave us a problem of well, where do you put this information and where do you put the scene? Um and we had a song in the bedroom that was quite sad um, about his, his sort of remembering his mum. And we kind of put a bit of that backstory with this prologue um, into that scene. And that kind of sort of scratched both of those itches. But we did lose some material there. But it was material that it was just... I think the feeling was also that the, the remembering mum song was a bit sad. And we the scene was a bit sad anyway. Um no, there's loads of restructuring. We used to have, there's, there's. I mean, Paul's very, very good at uh, identifying anything that doesn't work and basically kind of pulling it out root and branch. There's, there's a stage in the edit, and it's happened on Paddington 1 and 2 and Wonka again, where anything that, anything that we're not happy with, we end up putting in storyboards and uh, temporary dialogue, uh, sometimes recorded by the actors on phone. Uh, sometimes recorded by Simon and Paul, Simon Barnaby, uh, the co-writer. Um, and we had, I think we had, oh, I don't know. I mean, we had about two weeks of pickups on Wonka. Um, we had about three weeks of pickups on Paddington 2. And there'll just be a smattering of scenes, 
um, sometimes just one a character just saying one line and inserting that into a scene just to sort of you know shore up the plot to underline something um, but in this case the, the the very finale of Wonka is a pickup that was done later on so it was a new idea to end it in a, a, the film in a slightly different way um, we also had there's a kind of scene where you think Willie's gone and he comes back and in the original version, there was about three scenes that sort of did the job of the one we now have. And we just felt like the motor of the film was was not firing on all cylinders at that point. And that three scenes was too much. And the challenge was to rewrite that scene in a way that just got everything back up and running and propelled us into the third act. So that was a pickup as well. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of reworking. And also there was uh, Scrub Scrub 2, the reprise of Scrub Scrub, was there was an idea that maybe we just had too many songs at one point and could we take the curse off basically just having the same song again in Scrub Scrub. And we sort of, we, we deconstructed it so that um, the Wash House gang are singing the song, but Timmy's kind of, uh, derailing it and not partaking. Um, so we did a couple of small pickups, but it's mainly the material uh, that we had. Um, and I, yeah, I sort of can't believe we managed to do it really because it looks like that's how it was always meant to be, but it wasn't. Timmy was sort of singing along and taking, like it was more of a, 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 a reprising first version. Yeah. So we sort of changed that into this sort of deconstructed version. Um, and it looks like that's how it was always meant to be. But, yeah, it wasn't. And then we also had, um, in Hatful of Dreams at the beginning, there was a moment where he sees the shop and he says, this is my destiny and, you know, I, I, this is the shop for me. And I think in the original version, it just didn't quite, like, he didn't quite nail it. He didn't say, this is the shop I want. I can't, it was just a little bit more... A, 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 a bit more general and you didn't necessarily come away thinking how oh, he wants that shop in particular. Um, so we picked that section up and there's actually a bit of head replacement um, and we just punched in and shot the, the, got the same dancers on green with Timmy. There's a bit of head replacement in one shot. What else is there? I mean, and I couldn't believe we were even attempting it, to be honest, that, you know, an already shot sequence we were going to pick up some inserts to, to to change these lyrics to the song but um paul's a, a fearless reimaginer and um and we did it are are you ever on set um for any of this stuff to like well, we, sort of ensure that that's gonna fit right or yeah well weirdly exactly yeah for that bit i was because it was you know, Timmy's got to spin around, you know, he, start, he spins around in one shot and he's got to lead into the shot we shot nearly a year ago. Right. Um, so, yeah, we were dropping those in and, you know, it was like, no, and again. And, uh, yeah, and we got it in the end. But mainly I'm not. Mainly, although I was at Leavesden when they were shooting it, so I would go down to set now and again. And um, But, yeah, I'm generally not on set. Wow. <laughs> Every time I think we can't outdo ourselves, we just happen to. 
Um, well, I guess when I say we, I guess I mean me in this instance. So he, thank you again to Mark Everson for uh, doing this interview with us. Um, or again, gotta gotta address the elephant in the room. Yeah, Trent was not here for this interview, and unlike other uh, Trentless interviews that have been conducted, which so far I think this is the third one. Um, there was. Uh, Richie Cohan, the tra- trailer music editor of John Wick 2, and uh, Aaron Sofer, the cinematographer of The Creator. But um, this time, uh, the, the other two times were times that I had spoken with Trent and was going to have him come on, but then he couldn't for one reason or another. And this time, I did something a little sneaky, and I just totally forgot to tell Trent that this interview was happening and that he needed to see Wonka. And by the time the interview was going to happen, I knew he had not seen Wonka. And uh, so Trent has some sort of ill will towards me, I think, a little bit. Not that much, but a little bit because of that. Um, But rest assured, he's going to be on for other interviews, and um, I'm going to make it up to him with a really cool birthday present that I still have not bought yet. And I, I think Trent sometimes likes to listen to these um, episodes where he's not involved, um, just for shits and giggles, I guess. Um, so if you're listening to this, Trent, I totally bought your present, and it's really awesome. Um, but other than that, thank you so much for listening to Mark Everson Part 1. Uh, join us next week for our Wonka interview Part 2. Um, I think it'll be really good. Well, I, I know it will be. I, I conducted it. You can listen to us on any of your major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, uh, Amazon Music, Stitcher, etc. Then you can also uh, follow us on social media. Um, and thanks again. Have a great day, guys. Mm-hmm.